Okay, welcome, welcome, you guys. Um, it's a new week, and I am sitting here with one of my favorite people. And I will introduce you. This is Jared, and Jared is a little beekeeper on the side. And so we're going to talk to him a little bit about um, what beekeeping entails, um, what, how he got started, um, why he got interested in it, that kind of thing. So do you want to introduce yourself to everybody? Sure. Yeah, my name's Jared Butler. Um, I am a pharmacist, but I am a beekeeper on the side. And so I've been doing it, I, I'm not really sure, actually, eight or nine years at this point. Oh, it's that, not long, that long? Yeah. Wow. So what got you started, or why, what got you interested in that? Um... So I grew up in a small town in Idaho. Our next door neighbor had beehives and I never thought much about them. Sometimes we'd go throw rocks at the beehives. You know, as a kid, I, I, I was, yeah, didn't realize the importance of bees. And I think most people didn't. Now it seems like there's a big education push where people know. But uh, when I was a young adult, um, my mid twenties, uh, a friend from my church was telling me about how his family has beehives we bought a new house, me and a buddy, and we had some roommates renting. And so we wanted to have a garden. He's like, you got to get beehives to pollinate. And I thought, that's strange. Don't don't bees just come from wherever and pollinate? He's like, yeah, but if you have your own, they're going to pollinate more. And so it just got the idea in my head. I said, well, where do you get them? He's like, well, you can call up the fire department and, you know, ask to catch swarms of bees. And I'm like, uh, how do you do that? He was trying to explain. Anyway, it sounded intriguing. Um, later I started dating a girl who said, I want to get beehives. And that was the impetus to it. I'm like, well, I've been researching it. You know, here's where we can buy them. I actually bought them on the classifieds. Um, and so we got two hives and started that year. Okay. So, so how does that work? Do they just come in like, like, how do you buy bees? Like for somebody that doesn't know, like me, like how, explain that. Yeah, that's a good question. So that year, what we did, usually people that buy bees order them in the winter, and they often get them. In Utah, they get them in April, usually. If you live in more warmer parts of the country, you might even get them earlier, like March. I live in Alaska now, and we'd prefer to get them in May because there's still snow in April, so there's no food for the bees yet. Um, so usually they come in what they call packages. It's usually a four, three or four-pound wire-framed just big bundle of bees, and they have a queen in a cage inside. Okay, okay. And for somebody that didn't like, didn't know much about bees in the beginning, like you get these bees, and then what? Like you just <laughs> stick them in the garden, or how does that work? Yeah, and and basically that's what you do is you, when you get them in a package, you have to get them into a hive. Most pe most people have Langstroth hives or their wood hives with these removable frames. 
Oh, I've seen those. And so some people, you can look up YouTube videos of shaking the bees into the hive. Um, there's other ways to do it where you just set them in the hive and hope they will walk themselves out. And, you know, because there's honeycomb in the hive and kind of the smell of that, that helps them come out. You know, the first year I got bees, I was too late to order packages. And so some 18-year-old got some bees from his grandpa because his grandpa wanted to get into it, but he just sold them for money. And oh. so he just sent, he just sold me the hives. So there's a couple boxes with the frames and the bees inside. And so if you have a truck, you know, you can just strap them together, go pick them up and bring them to your house. Okay. Okay. Good question. Okay. Good. Good comments. Sorry. Um, I'm like, I'm like trying to process this when you're telling me, I'm like picturing, okay, you have this, like, are you fully protected or did you have somebody put in there or like, what uh -huh. did you do? Cause were you afraid of getting stung? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I got a bee suit right away too. And so okay. bee suits typically, some people just have veils that go over their face, but most people do a full jacket where you have gloves and, and a veil um, and a suit because the bees can sting through your clothes. Um, the, the first year I bought them, the guy actually, it was this kid, he went up, opened the hive. He's like, oh yeah, they're down there. And one of my beehives is actually empty. So he sold me a, he sold me a beehive. One was great and the other one was empty. So it was kind of frustrating because then I tried to get some money back because there were no bees in there and yeah. he wouldn't respond to me. But he's an 18 year old. Most beekeepers, you know, are yeah. super honest. And so usually when you buy them, people would be a way more helpful. So have you, did you get stung a lot or no? Have you ever gotten um, stung? I get stung probably about 10 times a year. Oh my gosh. So, so you kind of just have to get used to that. Um, I usually have three or four beehives. And so the more you have increases your chance of getting stung. Usually it's when I do something dumb, like I'm taking off my suit, doing it fast and don't realize there's, there's you know, still a bee on the suit. And, and they sting out of defense when, when they feel trapped between your clothes. That's when they'll sting. But sometimes they'll just crawl on, like they'll, I'll go out without a suit. They'll crawl on my arms and hands and, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't mind. They're, they're nice and gentle. But as soon as they start to feel like stuck yeah. or if they feel like you're invading their hive, which, which you do when you inspect it, that's why, that's why most people wear suits when they do that. Okay. So is it true that when a bee stings you, they die? Is that? Yes. So if a bee stings a mammal, they have little barbed stingers and so yeah. it will stick in the skin. And so then they, they die afterwards. It basically tears out their abdomen. <gasps> I'm not sure they realize that because they can sting insects. So if other insects like yellow jackets try to eat bees yeah. and steal their honey, so they'll sting the yellow jackets to try to keep them out of the hive. And so they can sting them and not die afterwards. But okay. when they sting a mammal, you know, bears and dogs they, and people, then they, they die afterwards. Oh, sad. Okay. Yeah, I wonder if they know that. Like, I wonder if they realize that. Or Yeah, crazy. Okay, well, do you have a... Um, how many bees do you have? Like, I know you have two highs, but how many does that... Like, how many is that? Like, thousands? Hundreds? Like... That's a good question. My understanding is a package of bees is probably about 10,000 bees when you have a four-pound package. Okay. Um, in the summer, they can build up to 50,000 bees. Oh, Maybe wow. even more if you have a really healthy hive. 
And so as they start bringing in nectar, you just stack a box on, you'll stack a box on top of your hive and then another one. Okay. You just move the lid up higher. And so I've had hives that are six boxes high. And, you know, and those ones are just full of bees. Right. And so it really depends on the health of the hive, but anywhere from 10 to... Okay. Probably 80,000 bees per hive. And then when you buy them, like, how expensive is it to buy bees? Like That's a good question. Yeah. In Utah, it's probably $125, $130 a package of bees. Okay. In Alaska, it's almost double, more like $220, $240. Why is it so much more? Uh, Alaska is, the shipping cost is just a lot. Oh, I and see. And so they have to ship them by airplane up there. Uh, Here in Utah, they have a... They'll put all these packages on a semi-truck and just truck them from California. Right, right. And so they don't have the whole airplane expense. Okay. Now, I remember you telling me something about... There was, like, some story when you moved to Alaska with the bees. Do you remember that? Like, some like was it too cold or, like, something about the garage or... Um, so, in Alaska, it's really hard to get bees to make it over the winter. I mean, the winter, there's snow for five to six months, and it's colder. Um, so my understanding of getting through the winter, like having a well-ventilated hive and having enough honey left over for them are, are two really important things. And because it's so long, it's it's hard to have that. Um, so my guess is over 90% of bees die through the winter. I had three hives this last year, and they've all died. And so I'm ordering new new bees this year. Some Alaskans, it seems kind of heartless. They just take all of the honey, let the bees die in the fall. Like, you know, because they know there's basically yeah. no chance or very little chance they're going to make it through the winter. I didn't do it. It seemed heartless. So I left some honey. At least this way, when I get new bees, they'll have some honey to get started with. Okay. Okay. But in Utah and, and you know, in the South, there's even better chances of them making it through the winter because the winters are not as harsh so what do bees do when it's cold do they fly like you know um, you know how birds fly south like do they do that well, or what so my understanding is 52 degrees is the magic number of oh. when it's warm enough for bees to go out you know they're cold-blooded insects so they have to have enough warmth to, to so their bodies can stay alive okay. um in the sun like in utah i've seen them a little bit lower than 52 degrees because I think the sun makes it feel so much warmer here. Yeah. Um, but during the winter, they hover together. They basically shiver together to stay warm. And they, they kind of form a big circle. Usually the queen's near the middle. And they just kind of flutter their wings and shiver just a little bit. And it keeps them alive all through the winter. They're also feeding on the honey. Um, but if the cluster of bees gets too small... Mm-hmm. then there's not enough warmth provided and then they'll they'll die. So okay. sometimes they starve where they it's too cold for them to get to where the honey is and then sometimes the cluster just gets there's just not enough of them left to keep the queen warm and then they all die. So when you went from Utah to Alaska, did they fly there? Like or did um, they go on a truck? You know, and that's an interesting question. I didn't know this. We we bought a big trailer and thought we'd move to Alaska and I have all these beehives. So I was going to take them with me. But, you know, the trailer says you can only carry so much weight. Yeah. We were over at our weight limit. So we, we left them all here. Um, and then I, you know, when I got there, I posted on Facebook like, hey, 
just moved here. I left all my B equipment. Does anyone have used equipment for sale? And they're like, good thing you left it because it's illegal to bring it, and which which I didn't know. But there's something, there's different bee diseases. This one, American foul brood is one that's quite deadly. And once your, once your hive gets it, some people believe it's impossible to treat. You should just burn the hive. Anyway, it's really rare, but the state of Alaska does not allow bee equipment to come from other states. And so also you can't bring live bees in packages from other states. So you can't bring them here? Like from, I mean, well, you can't bring them there from here. you right. But when they're in packages, it's considered different. Where instead of bringing the bee with the young brood, you know, in the reproductive life cycle, bees lay eggs and they develop into larvae. You know, it almost looks like maggots. And then they'll cocoon and, and eventually hatch into a bee. Anyway, all that process, diseases live on these little larvae and in the hive. So when, when they buy a package, basically they have a big scoop. So they go out of really healthy beehives, scoop out a bunch of healthy adult bees, put them in this wired cage. And then they put a queen in there that's also in her little cage. And so when they sell them that way, they feel like they're not shipping all the diseases with them because they don't have the wax and the, the young brood yeah, and everything else that's involved with the hive. Okay. That's interesting. Didn't know any of that. Okay. So um, you didn't end up bringing bees, or you did? Yeah, so I did not bring any. Okay. And I did not bring any equipment. Well, I brought like my jacket and my yeah. smoker. Yeah. The, but what the, is the smoker for? <laughs> that's a good question. So the smoker, um, the smoker is to help basically tame the bees. Oh. So when you go and inspect them, um, the bees obviously feel defensive because you're tearing into their hive. Right. Like you, I open up frames and look at them, and I'm trying to see if there's if the queen's laying eggs, because I know if she's laying lots of eggs, the help the hive's healthy still. Um, but the smoker. Basically, they, they have a pheromone. that It's kind of an alarm pheromone, and it smells a little bit like bananas. <laughs> so, uh, so, so when I smell that, I know they're kind of upset. Um, early in the spring, I don't usually use the smoker, but as it gets later into the summer, they seem to be more defensive because they have more honey. And so at that time, using the smoker can help. I've heard two things. You know, One, that it masks that pheromone, like this alarm pheromone, like we should attack because there's an intruder. And so they don't smell as much. Uh, the other thing I've heard is that they have this instinct like a forest fire, that their hive's on fire, so they it makes them eat honey. And I see that. Like, I see them stick out their, their tongue. I forget the, the real word for it. But they, they stick out their tongue and, uh, um, and, and suck up honey. And that really calms them down when they're full of honey. So truthfully, I don't know if it's more the masking of the pheromone or if they are trying to suck up the honey before the hive burns to try oh. to protect it. Okay. That's interesting. So, okay. So is it true that bees regurgitate? Like, what do you know about the whole... Have you ever heard that? Like, gro- oh, yeah. growing up, I heard, oh, honey is just bee throw up. Or <laughs> Right. And, and that's what I understand. So bees go and they you know, suck up the nectar in flowers, right. trees, all kinds of plants. But then they have enzymes in their stomach that changes the honey. So it makes it go from nectar to honey. 
So yes, it is basically their throw up. The, it is the the like when they store it in their bodies and then they regurgitate it. Why? Why it, did? Why? That's just what they do. <laughs> That's just their process. It sounds so gross. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure nectars from different plants would be really different. Yeah. And I don't know exactly how they form it into honey. Um, honey is mostly fructose and sucrose. Right. And the nectar they pull out, I don't know what it is when they first pull it out. Bees also need a lot of water. Mm. And so they use this process somehow with the water and their bodies are able to turn into honey. Okay, okay. So what if the queen dies? Like what happens like at that point? For European honeybees, when the queen dies, the hive dies basically. So, uh, okay, so they all... So the queen's laying all the eggs. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's a few things that can happen. The queen, they say a failing queen. So the hives realizing she's not laying very many eggs anymore. They'll decide to create a new queen. Mm -hmm. So they'll take some of her eggs. They feed, they feed the young bees royal jelly, other larva. They feed royal jelly an extra amount of time and they cap it. And what this does is it, it makes the bee fully develop, uh, hormonally and, and then she forms into a queen and so basically all the worker bees are immature queens mm -hmm. like they're not sexually developed mm -hmm. and so so bees can realize that and sometimes save the hive so they'll actually form a few queens and you've maybe heard the saying um there can only be one queen bee yeah is is once they hatch the queen will go and kill the other queens <gasps> and basically you know the strongest survives so usually the first one to hatch will kill off the other queens. Wow. Um, and, and I guess in some way she's the strongest and so she's the one that survives. She'll have to go mate um, and, and on a mating flight. I don't know if you want me to go into that. So, so there's also drones or male bees in the hive, which they don't produce early in the spring. But as, as they start to get into the season, they produce these male bees and their whole purpose in life, they kind of have big giant eyes. And they're big bees, but they don't even have the ability to feed themselves. But their whole purpose in life is to reproduce. Hmm. So they go and hang out on tree branches or roofs or whatever, and they're just kind of looking for a queen who's out flying, who's on a mating flight. Interesting. And so the queen will leave the hive, and she usually goes on a couple mating flights before she ever starts laying eggs. And, and then that way she's able to lay both worker and drone eggs. Wow. <laughs> okay. That's a lot of information. All right. And what is, do you know the life expectancy? Like what is the life expectancy of a bee? So I understand a worker bee is somewhere around 45 days. Oh, is that it? Maybe 45 to 60. Oh. It's strange though. The winter bees can last the whole winter. So uh -huh. they're often, you know, born in the fall and they make it through the whole winter which is not typical. And I don't know the reason. I'm guessing it's because they're not near as active. Uh -huh. And so they live a lot longer. You know, the bees in the summer are just, you know, moving in and out. You know, they're out foraging. And so I assume that's why they die quicker. But for some reason, winter bees are able to live a lot longer. Okay, okay. And I know we kind of talked about this before, but you said you rent your bees out right? <laughs> I, I've tried this. I, you know, I developed a Facebook site and a website for renting bees out. Mm -hmm. um, 
I actually wasn't really I had a few people call about it. Okay. I didn't do it. Um, oh, you didn't end up doing but it. a lot of I I have rented my bees out to California. Mm-hmm. Um so the almond orchards are a huge uh moneymaker for beekeepers. Some beekeepers say they make more money off pollinating than they do off honey. And so honey beehives, you know, typically they get a hundred dollars a hive or more for these contracts where they'll they'll bring in, you know, pallets full of hives. In in California, they've planted so many almond trees in these orchards that the wild pollinators, there's just not enough to pollinate it well. And there's enough research to show that honeybee pollination is so helpful that it that it increases the crop production that it's worthwhile for them to to pay to bring bees in. And so February or so, they're probably over half the nation's bees are in California. And so I have done that. I am a small scale beekeeper. So my friend who takes him, he he gets paid for the pollination. He tells me if my bees die, he'll he guarantees them. Mm-hmm. He'll re- replace them because he has so many big healthy hives coming back. Mm-hmm. He's able to split them into multiple hives. Um so there is a big pollination um pollination business with bees, but in Utah I don't know how many people. I'm sure there's a few people who'd probably rent the hive, but I kind of decided for only a few hives, it'd be a real hassle to be going around the valley to have to check on them. Yeah, yeah. So when you're in Alaska, where are your bees? Are your bees here right now? So in Alaska, um, no, they're in Alaska with me. Oh, they're in Alaska right now. Right. So you just put them in a backyard. Okay, so they're just put Um, there. And different cities have different rules, but... uh, you know, typically you can have a few hives in your backyard, even if your backyard is very small. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, with people knowing about bees struggling, a lot of cities have gone way more lax where they allow beekeeping and encourage it. Mm-hmm. You know, some people do it on top of their garage or on decks. Like even in cities, you know, rooftop beekeeping has become a thing. Oh, wow. Okay. So, okay, let's go back to the honey. I want to talk about honey. So... I go every summer I go to um, farmers markets and all the time there's always different like vendors that are selling their honey you know and they're all different like flavors they're all like you know obviously it depends on the you know what they're what pollen they're you know using and stuff what what is your honey like taste like does it is it like a flowery taste is it like a because I've had some alfalfa one I've had some like flowery honey. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's a good question. My my honey is it usually tastes kind of citrusy. Uh-huh. I'm I'm a lazy beekeeper though. In order to get different flavors of honey, yeah. they have to harvest throughout the year. So for example, when they go to the almond orchards, if they took the honey right then, there could be an they'd say there's an almond flavor to the honey. Uh-huh. But they take them to cherry orchards and to berry orchards, like yeah. raspberry. And so if you take them there, then harvest the honey right afterwards, um, then you'll have this raspberry flavor or, or whatever flavor you're going for. Yeah. Um, even in Utah, Idaho, where the bees are going to all kinds of things, um, if, if you harvest, you know, if you notice a lot of nectar's coming in, there's a big nectar flow is what they call it, and then harvest soon afterwards, it'll taste much different than if you wait a couple more weeks where they're going to different crops. Alfalfa is huge um, in Idaho and Montana and so forth. A lot of the, the alfalfa honey is quite really light. 
mm-hmm. um, and doesn't have a very strong taste. My honey in Alaska, uh, fireweed, it's this pink flowered weed that's kind of all over the state. And, and so fireweed honey is a big thing there. They charge a lot for it. I assume that most of my honey is fireweed, but since I wait till the end of the year, end of the season to harvest, yeah. like I can't guarantee, I don't know exactly where yeah. they go. I recently tried, a buddy gave me some honey from Arizona and it's called wild mountain pecan honey. And I tried some and it tastes like molasses. It, oh. It's dark brown, has a super strong flavor. Yeah. And so I, there's a phone number on the bottle. I called them and I said, do you guys put flavor in as this? And they said, no. They said, it's actually natural. The bees come from Tucson and they're near some pecan orchards. Anyway, I don't know if that flavor comes from pecans. <laughs> I mean, my guess is it's some strange desert plant because <laughs> it's a really strong flavor. And it, it's, it's good, but much stronger than normal honey. Yeah. So have you ever thought about selling it, like your honey? Have you ever done that? Yeah. So because beekeeping in Alaska is so expensive, yeah. Um, my wife has encouraged me to sell the honey. In Utah, I did. Uh, I mostly sold it to coworkers. Yeah. I worked at a hospital and, and often some nurses and techs and so forth would ask me for honey. So it was kind of just an underground thing. Yeah. Um, I found Facebook Marketplace in Alaska. was a great place to sell honey. Yeah. Because... Um, at my new job, I don't have people asking me for honey. Right. And so in Alaska, they sell honey for maybe double what they do in the rest of the country. And honey's expensive in general. Yeah, honey's expensive. Wow. And so that helps recoup the cost. The hive parts in Alaska cost almost double as well just because shipping to get things there is more expensive. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think on a small scale, it's really hard to make money with beekeeping. But it's a really fun thing to do, especially if you're into gardening. I mean, most people that garden or have orchards partly do it because they enjoy it. So I feel the same way about beekeeping. I think on bigger scales, there are beekeepers that do make money and, and do have a career out of it. Do you know any, um, do you know any jokes? Any, any bee jokes? <laughs> I was going to look up a bee joke. Oh, you were? <laughs> but, but in good news, my wife and I are having a baby. <laughs> <laughs> she, she she told me to tell you that. That's great. I like that. I <laughs> like that a lot. I I'm not a real I'm not very good at jokes. Not very good at jokes. Okay, do you know any really cool bee facts that we haven't talked about? Um You know, I think that bee behavior is just really interesting. Like the bee seems to operate as a hive mm-hmm. and they do the bet like they try to take care of the hive. They're not so much individualistic worrying about themselves for some reason they have this instinct of doing what what keeps the hive alive you know they divide up jobs based on their age where young bees will be nurse bees and feed the young larvae and they have some that guard the like that keep some some are guarding from other insects coming in or mammals and there's some that are basically house cleaner bees and then one of their last things in life is as they get older they become foragers where they leave the hive go and get the nectar and bring it back as honey. They also get pollen. Anyway, I think bee behavior is just amazing. And there, there's debate about whether the queen's the boss of the hive or whether the hive is the boss of the queen. Oh. And it seems like the way they work, likely the hive is, likely the hive somehow functions as one. So I think that's just a really interesting thing that you know I think our society could probably learn a little bit from trying to function by what's best for the society instead of just looking out for ourselves. No, those are really cool facts. Like, I'm glad we talked about this. Like, just because 
I had so many, once I started like writing down the questions that I wanted to ask you, more questions kept coming and more questions. And I'd be like, well, what about this? So it's really good. I'm really glad that you got to share things with us. But thank you for telling us. Unless you have any other things you want to say. You're welcome. I, one, a couple other things. So when I first started doing bees, I read a book called Beekeeping for Dummies. There's a lot of good beginner beekeeping books out there. So I'd recommend getting a book and reading it. I got the hive first and then started reading the book. So, you know, if you want to do it, that's a good place to start. There's some free online um, lessons as well. If you look up beekeeping lessons online, there's some people, I think it's Harvest Lane Honey, that produces just hundreds of lessons on it. Um, So anyway, if you want to get into it, there's lots of resources out there. And it's a super fun hobby. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me, Liv. The Pod Project is a small fire production. So find us on Facebook at The Pod Project 20 or on Instagram at The Pod Project.